Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Substack page. Guys, we have made it. It is now the final weekly roundup of 2020. The year is almost over. We still have roughly half a week to go, but this is the last last one of these for 2020. We made it. We made it through this accursed year and it's almost over and it's starting to feel a little bit of a sense of relief for everybody who has made it through, but we did it. We did it. It's going to be 2021. 2020 is going to be over by this time next week. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure nobody is particularly sad to see this year go and not that once we get to like January 1st, 2021, all of our problems are going to magically disappear. But at least there is a lot of optimism on the horizon. Um, do have a bit of news on the vaccine front. Um, but before we get there, I will start with where I have been starting. And this is not really a place for optimism and enthusiasm, but the unemployment numbers uh, for the week ending on the 19th. There was 803,000 initial unemployment claims filed, which is better than it has been the past couple of weeks. The only thing I'm worried about is we kind of got a false sense of hope around Thanksgiving when the numbers dropped a bit. And it turns out that it was really more just people delaying filing for unemployment because of the holiday versus there being a true drop. And then we got those astronomical over 900,000 numbers again. And now we've dropped back down into the 800,000s. I we shall see, I suppose, in the next couple of weeks if it does spike back up or if it keeps falling. Uh, more bad news on the economic front. Consumer spending fell 0.4% in November, which this is the first time consumer spending has fallen this year since April. And I mean, that's bad enough alone. And then you compound that with the fact that this is the time of year where consumer spending typically goes up because of the holiday season. Everybody's buying gifts. Having consumer spending drop in November is not a particularly good sign. Um, I went out on Christmas Eve. I was out and about. Um, I went to my local mall and it was busier than it has normally been, but still nowhere near a normal Christmas Eve. Like the, normally you don't, you don't go. Like you do not go. There's no parking. It's a complete hassle. It's a complete madhouse. This year it was like practically empty. It was, it was kind of surreal, honestly. My liquor store, however, was doing a very brisk business. <laughs> there you had to go wait for a parking spot, but at the mall, nope, parking to be found all over the place. So going into 2021, um, It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm interested to see what the final like holiday spending numbers end up being. I think we still have a couple of weeks before we get those, but I'll be interested to see kind of the shakedown on that. I'll be interested to see how much like online retail went up because I mean, obviously it did. I mean, everybody shopped online this year. If you tried to get anything delivered via the post office over the past six weeks, you know, everybody's been telling you there's delays. You might not get it in time. If you're ordering online, you need to like start a couple of weeks earlier than you normally would because of these shipping delays, because everybody's ordering online this year. So we shall see. It, it'll be interesting. But going forward, hopefully... Hopefully next year, things will be better, at least the second half 
I'm, I'm really hoping that like the second half of 2021, once we get past the initial vaccine hurdle, once we start getting it available to everybody that wants it, I mean, right now we are still in a very limited amount of people who can get it. It's being prioritized, which it should be. I've been saying that this whole time. Of course, get the old people, get the frontline workers first. Those are the people that are most in danger. I'm not particularly in danger, so I should not be jumping the line ahead of these people. I'm not going to die. I have much less risk of exposure than somebody who works in a hospital. So yeah, get those people first. Like do do them first. The rest of us will be fine. But hopefully by I mean it it's fluctuating now a lot. Um I was talking to a nurse the other day and she was telling me spring, which sounds a bit optimistic. I think the official line now is kind of summerish, like early to mid-summer. I'm still hoping for like late spring, early summer. And then like the second half of 2021 is just going to be it's going to be wild, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan and everybody can, everybody who wants the vaccine can get the vaccine. We can start getting back to normal life. People can start traveling again. People can start going out. Ooh, it's going to be wild. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. But moving on from that to the COVID stimulus bill that is kind of in limbo right now. Um, I mean, it's passed the House. It's passed the Senate. Uh, Trump is not signing it because he still wants that $2,000 check. And obviously in the bill, there's only the $600 check. So he's not signed it yet. Um, Democrats in the House tried to reopen negotiations based around like basically saying like, okay, if he wants $2,000, all right, let's do $2,000. It's what we wanted to do anyway. But Republicans shot that down. So now we're just kind of in this weird holding pattern as of right now. I mean, Trump could be signing this as I speak. <laughs> Who knows anymore? But for right now, we're just kind of um, sitting around waiting. And most of the CARES Act has expired by this point. I believe the rental assistance, the eviction moratorium is still in effect to the 31st, but I, I, most everything expired on the 26th, because like I've explained before, this past week was the last full week of 2020. And so because next week goes into 2021, it's not covered by that. It's a weird sort of technicality sort of thing. We went through this with the federal unemployment too. But as of right now, that is where we stand. Um, I mean, I don't think the $2,000 checks are going to happen. <laughs> so I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. But, oh, another thing that happened. Um, Trump did actually veto the NDAA. So not only are we, we not getting the COVID stimulus bill, he also vetoed the defense spending. So libertarian Christmas again, maybe? Um, not quite sure what's going to happen with the NDAA. I mean, they're not going to put a Section 230 repeal in there and that's not going to happen. So where that stands, I don't know. This is the weirdest lame duck presidency ever. Ever. <laughs> I don't know what to say at this point, but um, Trump did do some stuff this week. We will get there in a second, but I want to talk about the latest vaccine that is looking like it's about to get the green light. Um, AstraZeneca 
has finally submitted their data to the United Kingdom for their approval process. It has not been submitted in the U.S. yet, and they have not publicly released their data. But they are claiming that they have gotten their their numbers close to where the Pfizer and Moderna numbers are, which the whole thing about the AstraZeneca one is that their numbers in the initial trial were coming in at like 50 to 60% effectiveness, which is obviously well below the over 90% that Pfizer and Moderna's have. And not just generally not that great of numbers. Like if you can't at least get it to like around 70%, like it's kind of a failure. But a weird thing that they found is that in one of their test groups, um, accidentally, this group got for their first dose, a half dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And then their second dose was a full dose. And that actually produced better numbers than the groups that got two full doses with the half dose, full dose, they're getting over 90% effectiveness, whereas the the two full doses were around 50 to 60%. So that's interesting. (laughs) It, It looks like the UK will be approving the AstraZeneca vaccine sometime next week. Again, like I said, I don't know when the US is going to do it. The other thing about the AstraZeneca vaccine is that this is the one that it's a little more durable than the Pfizer or Moderna ones. It doesn't require the deep cold storage. You can just use traditional storage for the AstraZeneca one. So it is going to be a cheaper vaccine. It's going to be cheaper to produce. It's going to be cheaper to transport and distribute. So this is one that a lot of people were looking forward to for like more rural areas where the the logistics of distribution are going to be very difficult for the cold storage vaccines for developing countries, for poorer countries. This will be the vaccine that's kind of geared towards them. And of course, I'm sure it will be available in the United States too. Um, Interesting about this one, it does use mRNA technology, but the delivery system is a little different than the Pfizer and Moderna ones, which makes it a contributes to that durability. But in researching this, it looks like the methodology that the AstraZeneca one is using could have applications beyond COVID. They're they're thinking that maybe if this is effective, this might be an effective delivery method for eventually a Zika vaccine. And and hopefully, this this is the big hope, an HIV vaccine, which HIV has been just the most difficult disease to pin down in modern history just because of the way it acts, what it attacks, how fast it mutates. Developing a vaccine has been very, very difficult for HIV. So maybe one thing that will come out of this pandemic is these new vaccine techs, if they are successful, kind of opening the door to finding vaccines for other diseases that have been problematic throughout the decades. So fingers crossed on that one. So new vaccine coming out. Um, I'm sure it'll be stateside. If it if anything holds, we're typically a few weeks behind the UK. So if they do approve it this upcoming week, I would say probably US, you might be looking around mid-January-ish, maybe. But we, we do have more vaccines coming. And 
in, in kind of tying into the accidental finding out of how the AstraZeneca vaccine works better with a half dose than a full dose, the conversation now around the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are, since it seems that once you get your first dose of either one of those, after two weeks, you're at about 90% of, as being like vaccinated. So do we stay on the current path? Because right now we're holding doses, dosages in storage for the, the second shot. Do we, now that we kind of know this, that you are kind of, you're pretty much good to go after the first shot. Do we take those second shots and start distributing those more widely to get more people to 90%? And I get the theory behind it. I mean, obviously, the more people we can get vaccinated, the the quicker we can get on with this and the quicker we can all move on. I'm just not super thrilled with the idea of conducting this kind of experiment because it, this wasn't part of the trial study. Doing just one dose wasn't part of the trial study. Doing two doses was the trial study. So you're basically kind of doing a sort of challenge trial, for lack of a better term, on the most vulnerable vulnerable people, doing it on the olds and on the frontline workers. And I'm not entirely comfortable with that, but I also know that that is something that's going to happen off-label no matter what. Like, there are going to be people that don't go back for their second shot. There are going to be people who are just like, all right, I got the first one. It's fine. It's good. Whatever. So, I mean, I know that's going to happen anyway, but I would rather there be like an actual study done before everybody just decides, okay, one shot's fine. Like, well, no, we didn't really study one shot. We studied two shots. So it, it, it is something to discuss because, I mean, you could, I mean, if you took those, those dosages out of storage, you could vaccinate twice as many people and that would be good. But again, I'm not... I'm not entirely, entirely on board with that. I mean, if it were me, I would want the two shots because that's what the numbers are based on. That's what the studies were done on. That's what the trials were done on. So I would rather just do it the way the instructions say and not assume that I know better or that it's going to be good enough with one shot. That's just me. Anyway, that that will be a discussion to go on into next year because now that we do have these vaccines rolling out there on the ground, people are getting vaccinated. We are having that discussion about who gets what and when. And now I guess we can add dosages to the conversation. And of course, there's always still the conversation of whether you even want to get one or not and the, whether you are going to be required to get one and who's going to require you to get one. I mean, these are all going to be very hot topics of conversation going into 2021. So I guess we can leave off on those until such a time as there is need to have them. I mean, I I don't know, like the government can't force you to get a vaccine. I mean, not legally and really not even practically. I mean, there's, there's already people who will gladly fake documents for you. I mean, like the market provides you. If you have to carry around fake documents, people will do it. People will make them. People will buy them. Whether private companies will make you do it, whether your employer will make you do it. I mean, I've not seen anybody say anything to that effect yet. So I feel like 
maybe panicking about that right now is a bit premature. Again, a conversation for 2021, especially once the vaccines start becoming more available to just us regular people who aren't old or don't have comorbidities or aren't frontline workers or aren't essential workers, then I guess we could start having that conversation. But for right now, I just feel like it's a tiny bit premature and maybe let's let's wait and see what happens before we start panicking about things. That's just me. But moving on to the things that Trump has done this week. Um, while he's been busy not signing bills, um, he has been busy signing pardons and not for the people that you particularly want to see pardoned. Um, this past week, he issued a whole mess of pardons, most notably to Charles Kushner, which is Jared Kushner's dad. And fun fact about that particular case, um, that one is one that Chris Christie actually prosecuted when he was DA in New Jersey. And even Christie was like, this case is the dirtiest thing I've ever seen. And I was a DA in New Jersey. Yeah, just really, really shady shit that the Kushner family has done financially. So he has been pardoned. Um, Paul Manafort, who I thought Trump had forgotten all about. (laughs) When was the last time you heard about Paul Manafort? Yeah, he got pardoned. Uh, He also pardoned Roger Stone, which if you guys remember, Trump commuted Stone's sentence earlier in the year, and now he is officially pardoned. So yeah, um, some names not on that list there. Most notably, not Ross Ulbrich, not Julian Assange, or Edward Snowden. Um, yeah, guys, I, I'm thinking that unless you have a personal tie to Trump or you have gotten yourself into jail for the sake of Trump, you are not getting a pardon. Um, the most controversial set of pardons, though, is he pardoned four Blackwater contractors who were convicted of killing Iraqi civilians back in 2007. And this was a very controversial case. Um, Basically, what happened is through a series of unfortunate events, these contractors who were apparently someplace they weren't really supposed to be in the first place. They had exited the green zone, which they weren't supposed to do. If you guys remember green zones and red zones from back in Operation Iraqi Freedom. I know we're going way back in the Wayback Machine there, but yeah, there were some place they weren't supposed to be doing something that they really weren't supposed to be doing and ended up just opening fire into a group of Iraqi civilians and killed quite a few. So, yeah, and... I've seen arguments made that the whole case around these guys was kind of sketchy. The The DOJ took a couple of tries at this to try to get a conviction. Um, there's questions about how the FBI handled it. There's questions about how the Iraqi police handled it. But I don't think that that's why Trump pardoned these guys. Trump has a noted history of pardoning convicted war criminals. And I believe this is just part of a pattern of... Pardoning convicted war criminals. I don't think Donald Trump sat down for hours and like poured over the evidence and poured over the the narratives and the case files and in the court documents and said, you know what? No, I'm going to pardon them. I think it's just more like, <laughs> fuck the libs. I'm pardoning more war criminals. So, yeah, that is that is what Trump has spent his week doing on top of uh, tweeting about fake news and what 
whatever. Like I don't I don't follow him on Twitter anymore. Like it, that that he he's in his own little special list in my Twitter feed, and I really don't look at it unless I have to. And I mean, it's it's after Christmas. Um, January 20th is fast approaching, and I just don't think we really need to pay that close attention to him anymore. I mean, we're still we're still doing the election thing. Um, January 6th is when the Senate is supposed to confirm the results, and they will, despite people making noises about opposing it or whatever. <sighs> Jesus Christ, this is so dumb. <laughs> the Arizona GOP actually tweeted out that Bernie Sanders should, you know, stand up and do something since he was robbed. I'm like, Bernie Sanders is not saving you. Like, shut the fuck up. Don't bring Bernie into this. Bernie does not care about you. But so that will be a, a fun thing, not for next week, but the week after that. Oh, I'm not, not excited about that, but Things will continue apace, and January 6th will come and go, and January 20th will come and go, and then we will have a new president and a whole new set of problems that we will get to discuss for the next four years. Yeah. But I want to finish off with a very weird case that, obviously, because this is so new, it is still very up in the air, but Christmas morning, 6.30 a.m. on Christmas morning, um, there was a bomb that exploded in downtown Nashville. It was in an RV. And so far, we have three injured people, um, one dead person who is suspected to be the, the, the suspect in this. I, again, this is still all very up in the air. Um, a lot of property damage, but the only death is the person who was apparently inside the RV. So here's here's what seems to have happened. Um, judging from surveillance video, this RV shows up around 2.30ish in the morning. And then around 5.30, there were calls placed to Nashville PD 911 saying that there were gunshots fired. So the police went out and then out of the RV... They started playing this recording telling people that the the RV is going to explode and that they need to evacuate. So cops get there. Um, they evacuate as many people as they can. Like I said, nobody but the alleged suspect right now died. So that's good. Like there's no loss of life. But it seems like that wasn't the point that because of this recording that was like, it started, I think, half an hour before the bomb went off, telling people to evacuate like it wasn't the point to kill anybody. Nobody's entirely sure what the point of this was. Um, yeah, <laughs> we don't really know what exactly, what, what, what the fuck just happened other than this RV exploded. Um, a lot is being made out of the fact that this was in front of an AT&T transmission building. So obviously, the conspiracy theorists have latched onto this and somehow connected it to Dominion voting machines because 2020 just will not let the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't I don't know. Like, that's not how things work. Like, data is stored in clouds now it's not stored in a particular spot so blowing up a particular spot does not eliminate data um it did take down some of at&t's 
Nashville area infrastructure for a while. People didn't have cell phone service. They didn't have internet service, but they got that back up relatively quickly. So the, the why here for why this happened, nobody knows right now. It, it's it's very up in the air. Um, they have um, the guy that is the person of interest is Anthony Quinn Warren, and they suspect that that is the dead person. Um, the FBI has gone and searched some of his properties, don't know what they have found yet, because like I said, this all happened on Christmas morning, so obviously this is still very new, very unfolding, but it, it's just a very weird thing, and nobody seems to really know <laughs> what the hell happened. So that will be developing, and I'm sure we'll find out sooner or later, um... Like I said, no motive yet. Don't really know anything about dude. Don't know. Uh, apparently, there was no kind of like chatter picked up around it possibly being like a terrorist attack or anything like that. There was no elevated threat level. There was no chatter. There was no nothing that anybody picked up on. So probably not a terrorist attack. But again, we don't really know what that was. And I mean, doing it on Christmas morning, I mean, obviously you're not, you're not going to get a lot of casualties on Christmas morning because nobody's out because it's Christmas morning. Plus, like I said, it seems like this was specifically engineered to not kill people. I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really weird, but I'm sure eventually we will find out what the hell is going on there, but it, <laughs> just one more weird-ass thing to add to 2020. I will be so glad when this year is over. Not going to miss it. Not going to miss it. So at this point, that that pretty much wraps up this past week. Like I said, we did have a shortened week last week because of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And obviously next week we have New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, which I will go ahead and wish everybody a happy New Year's because next time I will be speaking to you will be 2021. So I hope you guys have a very safe and as festive as possible New Year's Eve. I don't go out on New Year's Eve anyway, so it's not like I have to change my plans. I did that once. I said never fucking again. That was too much of a pain in the ass. But I hope everybody stays home, stays safe, celebrate, make yourself a meal, you know, have a Zoom happy hour, do whatever you want to do, but just stay safe. And we're going to, we're going to make it through this year. It's going to end. It is going to end next week. 2020 will be over and then it will be 2021. And then we can start looking forward to hopefully a better year because it would be hard for it to be worse than this one. I shouldn't say that. I don't want to curse 2021. I take that back. But, oh, but yeah, hopefully things will get better. So as always, if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to my Substack page. It's jenmonrose.substack.com. I am starting to write there. Um, I have been writing there pretty consistently for the past month, month and a half now. And I really enjoy it. Um, I'm still in the, the finalizing stages of figuring out kind of how I want to do free versus paid and everything like that. Um, once I get my schedule figured out, I will let everybody know what the plan is. But hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I will get that squared away. And then we will figure out how we are going to proceed forward with content in 2021. So take care. And until next time.